You're listening to Make Your Way, Season 4, Episode 3. Welcome to Make Your Way, where we explore what it means to work and create on your own terms. Along with every episode, we post show notes with links to resources mentioned in the episode and a full transcript. You can find these materials at katielinder.work slash podcasts. Hey, Katie. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I am good. Uh, I am, for one, very excited today to talk a little bit about um, our different approaches to business models and to kind of diversifying ourselves a little bit. Um, there's a lot of talk, especially you know, coming coming from the YouTube world. Um, there's a lot of talk right now about burnout in in um, the careers of YouTubers and how you have to be, you know, kind of producing videos constantly and um, a lot of encouragement to kind of diversify revenue streams. And I know it's something that you and I have kind of done naturally from the beginning. Um, and so I'm excited to talk to you about that today. Um, and I'm really curious, Katie. I know you've added a new a new thing to your plate recently. Uh, it called prolific. I'm wondering if you can tell people a little bit about that and then, uh, you know, talk a little bit about why you added another thing to your, your list of things that, that you, uh, that you do. I'm, I'm curious what, what was the strategy there? Yes. Why is always the question with me. Why, <laughs> why would you do that? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Um, well, I think that the idea of diversifying revenue is not a new topic to this podcast. Um, and Sarah, you and I have certainly talked about this quite a bit. And uh, longtime listeners will know I've been kind of intentionally trying to do this over the past year or so of really trying to move away from speaking as being such a high amount of my revenue stream. And part of that really has a lot to do with scaling my business and hitting a ceiling with the speaking because I use vacation time for that where I just was running out of time. And and so that, that speaking could only be so much of the revenue for my business. So I've been actively working to bring that down to less than 50% of my business revenue and now significantly less than 50%. Um, but my first goal was let's drop it below 50%. Mm-hmm. And in the process of doing that, that's when I added webinars and courses and um, my coaching services have, have increased um, pretty significantly website design, you know, these other things we've talked about on the show in the past. But I am always looking for revenue streams that I can bring into my business that are more consistent and that I can kind of count on them for regular income. So I'm always looking for ways to diversify um, the revenue, but also to make it more consistent. And particularly, I'm looking for regular kinds of monthly income. And to some degree, the courses offer that because they're they're passive income, but I don't necessarily have control over who buys them when and how frequently they're purchased and things like that. So um, Prolific is a community that I started that will allow me to have regular monthly income from people who are members of that community. And I can explain a little bit more about that. But it was also really solving a larger problem for me within my business which was I was having to uh, recommend another service to my clients because I could not offer it myself. Mm-hmm. At, at the time, I was not set up to offer kind of a more consistent um, accountability support structure for the academic writers that I was working with. I had the writing groups and I had private coaching, but once those were the once those things were over, people really were kind of on their own, um, and I wanted to build more of a community rather than sending them off to some of these other communities, which will go unnamed, that exist out there in the world. Um, and so I started Prolific for that reason as well. So in addition to solving that problem for my business and my clients, it also had kind of this nice bonus of having the opportunity of offering me this regular monthly income. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do have it available right now with annual plans and monthly plans. Everybody who's currently paying for it is currently on a monthly plan. So as those memberships increase, and that's part of an active part of my business now is increasing those memberships and, and really making sure people in that community feel happy and served and you know that they're getting value from that community. I'm hoping that that community will grow over time and become a larger and larger slice of my revenue pie. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting because I hear a few different things when you're talking about this this writing group. Like not only did you see an opportunity in the business landscape, you know, you were you were previously sending your clients to other places, which is great if you don't have the capacity to offer what they're right. looking for. But 
you do have the capacity to offer what they're looking for. And I know a lot of what is um, what you're offering in this community is not only the chance for accountability and people to kind of meet together and, and those sorts of things, but also a tremendous number of resources and things, which you've produced in the past, right? There, there are things that right. you already had. And so really, it, it's a creative way to kind of repurpose and uh, kind of reorganize some of those things around a central goal or, or theme uh, in a new and creative way. So you're, you're kind of, you know, I think sometimes when we hear people say, oh, I'm starting this new thing, we think like, oh my gosh, how did they produce all of that new content or all of that new stuff for this new thing? And a lot of times, like, yes, there's a lot of work that goes into it. I don't want to minimize that. But at the same time, a lot of it might be repurposed from things you've already made, right? Or, or reorganizing right. or restructuring something in a way that's just meeting a different need a little bit uniquely in a way that you haven't before. So I think I, I just want to highlight for our listeners that there are a couple of different things about that, um, that and about this community and how you kind of came around to uh, to doing it that are interesting and, and really hallmarks of how you run your business, Katie. And I think it's really smart and strategic uh, in the way that you kind of move those things forward to diversify your revenue and to kind of keep people coming and keep people connected to you as the as their primary um, source of support for things like academic writing. Right. Well, and this really goes all the way back to what we talked about in season three about knowing your expertise Mm -hmm. and where you have strength and deciding to create a product or a service around that. Academic writing is definitely one of those areas for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there's a lot of ways I've dipped in and out of providing support for that um, through writing groups, through Mm -hmm. coaching, through the webinar series I offered last now last year as we record this. Um, So yeah, it's totally an area that I feel incredibly comfortable in. Mm -hmm. I have a ton of resources around. And that's why running this community, some people might think, oh, that's so much more time. It's it's a huge amount of effort. It certainly can be, Mm -hmm. depending on the kind of community you're trying to run. Um, But I seeded this community with past coaching clients and past writing group members. I let them in for free, Mm -hmm. lifetime memberships. I wanted people in there who had worked with me in the past. And that kind of ensured that I was going to get good activity in the community from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a really smart decision, I think, to do it that way. But also, you know, like this is a community where I feel so comfortable with the content, it's really not difficult for right. me to run it. Um, and I actually take a lot of pleasure in going in there and seeing what people are doing and posting resources and, you know, making sure that everybody is kind of getting what they need. And another kind of cool thing we're doing is we are doing live events um, mm. with this community. And um, it's just kind of keeping an, an eye out for what people are having questions about in the community as we go along. So um, most recently, citation management systems came up. Yeah. And so a couple members of the community are going to demo how they're using citation management systems, cool. which, you know, for some people who are listening to this might be like, oh, my God, that's the most boring event I've ever heard of in my entire <laughs> life. But the the com- the kind of comment section around, you know, the person who initially posted about this, it was really robust. Mm-hmm. And people were like, what are you using? How are you doing this? Like, mm-hmm. I want to know more. And so I was like, OK, this is a need within the community. Let's let's fulfill that. So I, I scheduled something for that next month. So I think that, you know, like part of it is just it's a really nice lesson mm-hmm. in how do you listen mm-hmm. to your clients and your community and hear what they need, which is why I originally started Prolific. Mm-hmm. But also now that I'm in Prolific with them, how can I provide them with things that are going to be helpful that are kind of like you said, showing that I am a continual support structure for them, mm-hmm. even if they're no longer my client in a technical sense, mm-hmm. like that they're paying me. I feel like once you've been my client, you you are my client. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I will continually send you things that I see that I think would be useful to you. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to stay in touch with you. I'm going to check in every six months and see how things are going. Like that's just part of what it means to build relationships when you do things like coaching. So um, it's been checking a lot of boxes for me mm-hmm. in terms of really helping me to think about what it means to nurture a community. Mm-hmm. And um, again, with that monthly revenue stream. Now, to be clear, it's not a ton of monthly recurring revenue right now. Like right. I have a, a small group of people. But the other interesting thing I'll say is that people have joined this community that I do not know hmm. from all over the world. There I have know. somebody from Spain. I have several people from Australia um, that are following me in other places like the podcast or my blog or whatever and have joined this community because they've heard me talk about it. Mm-hmm. So it's also kind of an interesting experiment of the power of my 
funnel, basically, mm-hmm. of people who are listening to these free resources and who have come over time to trust me as a, a resource in this area and, and have thus joined this community. So um, that's the other fun thing, I think, about adding a new strand mm-hmm. to your revenue stream, your business model, is you get to kind of experiment a little bit, which I'm all about, yeah. seeing what works, what doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so one of the areas, though, Sarah, that you have experimented, which scares me too much. I, <laughs> I have not experimented with it at all is Patreon. Yeah. And a lot of people have been like, Katie, you should start a Patreon. And I'm like, nope, nope. not interested. Not going to do it. <laughs> not doing it. But you have done it. And I know I'm sure some of the people who are listening are intrigued. I'm definitely intrigued, but mm-hmm. scared. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to hear more about this and your decision to bring Patreon into your business model. Um, what was the kind of the origin story for that? Yeah, so for me, Patreon really started um, as a way to help support my YouTube channel primarily. Um, so this all started a couple of year, a uh, year and a half, something like that ago, uh, when I was first in conversations with um, my now video producer, Tom, uh, who he and I uh, had met at a previous um, VidCon event and had worked together on a a couple of other things and projects and things. And he had kind of stepped forward and said, hey, you know, I I would be willing to help you with your channel. The negotiation that we uh, had and that where the kind of agreement that we reached was that we would split some of the Patreon um, revenue between the two of us as a way to kind of, um, you know, fund part of his work for me, uh, as well as for, you know, me to also get some revenue from from that for the YouTube channel. So, um, you know, I, I want to be clear up front that this is not much money. <laughs> like we're not, we're not talking like hundreds of th- or even thousands of dollars, you know, nothing like on that scale yet for me. Um, and part of that is due to a lot of reasons that I've talked about previously on the podcast about having to kind of shift um, priorities and that sort of thing and haven't been able to produce as many videos as I would like um, in the last year or so. So um, for me, the, the Patreon has been a trickle <laughs> of income, um, but it's allowed me to kind of keep that relationship with Tom with Tom Strong and, uh, you know, kind of call on him to help with some things uh, related to the channel um, over its, you know, last year and a half of, of growth or so. Um, Patreon is one of those things. So for, for those of you who are not familiar with Patreon, basically it's a it's a way for people who um, create things, generally people create who create things on the internet, um, you know, videos or art or um, written stories, I've seen that sort of thing. It's It kind of comes out of more creative fields. Um, it's a way for people who are fans of that creative work to support that creator. So um, you can set it up a couple of different ways. Uh, they've got a bunch of different options um, for, for how you set up your Patreon page now. But basically the way mine is set up is um, people can support me um, by contributing a, a few dollars a month. Um, and so, you know, if there's a creator out there that you think is kind of cool and you want to kick them a buck a month uh, to continue to kind of help them grow their their work, um, it, you know, it's not much to you and it can mean a lot to the creator. So uh, even those smaller amounts of money are really, really valuable to creators, especially as they're first kind of getting going. So the Patreon model is really this idea of building a, a community of, of followers and of supporters of your creative work. And so it was an interesting way. And a, a lot of my um, colleagues on YouTube have had already started Patreons and, and I had been kind of watching how they were they were doing things. Um, and so decided to kind of get into it that way. Uh, and, and for that reason as well. Um, YouTube has changed the way that they um, do ad monetization. So it used to be that you could get a portion of the ad revenue um, that was uh, as a result of somebody watching an ad before your video. Um, YouTube has since changed the qualifications for that. Um, and so I no longer fall in those qualifications. And so Patreon was, again, another way for me to um, actively take control of how I might um, monetize some of my content. So since uh, it since it's begun, I've since sh- uh, shifted the focus of my Patreon. Um, now it is primarily a focus for the the series, the Honestly series, which I've mentioned um, previously on the podcast, but is a series really kind of documenting some of the, the things I have learned over the last year or so about grief and loss and about trying to build your business in the midst of um, hard life stuff. So um, I am kind of in the in the process of creating a bunch of content for that, and I'm curious to see how it's going to continue to grow um, in the next hopefully several several months and years. But it's a it's been an interesting model and one that I 
would generally recommend to people, um, but you do need to be thoughtful about it and you need to be strategic about it. But at the same time, you don't want to prevent yourself from just taking the leap because you don't think you're going to have enough people, you know, kicking you money. You're, you can be surprised sometimes. Um, I have a few people following me who I've never met before and who I don't even know where they came from, but they apparently like my stuff enough to, you know, kick a few bucks a month. So, um, that's a really great feeling if nothing else. And it makes it, uh, it makes it feel like your work, your worth is, or your work is valuable. Um, and that there's a lot that you can, can add to other people and that they can then show you their support, um, in a monetary way that helps go to pay your bills. So, um, it's an interesting model. I, like I said, not sure I'd recommend it for everyone. Um, Katie, given the work that you do, I'm not sure that that Patreon would be a great fit. So I think it's interesting that you've kind of come to that conclusion as well. Well, I think one of the interesting things about Patreon, um, is that it really emphasizes the value of things that you might be putting out for free mm-hmm. um, and that people can support. Like part of the idea, I think, of Patreon is if you have enough supporters there, you can continue to produce for free. Right. Like you don't have to put a, a value on some of the things you create. So in that way, I think Patreon makes sense for mm-hmm. people who do podcasting or, you know, that kind of thing. And I, I know some very successful people on Patreon who are podcasters and, and or YouTubers, and that's yep. how they fund, you know, their free uh, work. I think that that's kind of one of the challenges for me is because I've always put that stuff out there as like, I think I have maybe a too limited idea of what that means in my business as being part of my funnel, that that is always going to be free. That is kind of, it's really a way of marketing Mm. my work Mm -hmm. and advertising what I do. And I think to, to put it up there, I don't know, like I, I just, it's going too far for me. Like <laughs> I feel like it's, and and it's not to say other people. I think there are other people who are doing it super well, and mm-hmm. I I am actually so impressed that you do it because I think it's like one more way for me. It just feels like one more way for people to reject me. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and to not like yeah. um, support my work, but it, it's interesting because when I think about the metrics of like when people stop listening to my podcast, I don't know that that happens. Mm. You know, like I and I'm sure that has happened. I mean, mm-hmm. it must. I see my numbers consistently growing, so I know that more people are coming to the show. But I feel like when people decide I no longer need this Mm -hmm. or, you know, like I need something different than what you're offering, it's not really public for me, Mm. like, to see that. It's it's just kind of something I assume happens, but it doesn't feel personal. Mm -hmm. Patreon feels personal to me. Mm. You know, like, Patreon feels like people are saying, like, if they don't support you, why not? I mean, like, that would be my question is like, you don't have a buck to give to me every month for all the work I'm doing. Like, it would make me kind of turn into this person that's like, hey, you over there. Like, <laughs> why aren't you wanting to support me? Yeah. Whereas I feel like with my services and my products, I can always say, well, that's just not a fit for them. And that's okay. I don't expect oh, my services and products to be a fit for everyone. Yeah. Whereas if you're listening to my podcast, obviously it's a fit for you. So why aren't you giving me a dollar every month? Like, I, you know, like, I feel like it would just be it would turn me into someone that I don't want to be yeah. <laughs> about, you know, like this stuff is, I am happy to put it out for free. Right. Like I, it, because of the way that I've set up my business model, I get enough business revenue from other things and from people who listen and, and who engage with these um, kind of free content that I put out that I don't feel like I need to go the Patreon route. Mm-hmm. But um, so I don't know, like, I'm curious, I feel like you and I do have different ways of thinking about this in terms of the personalization of yeah. how people work with our businesses and the relationships that we're building with our clients. Well, so the, the other thing I will say about Patreon is it, there are a few different ways to think about it, right? Like there's there's the way that you're describing, which is this is a way for people to support work that you do for free. You can also frame it as Patreon is the place where I can get um, basically a a deeper relationship with the core of my audience that's super into what I do, right? Like I'm going to create the free stuff anyway, regardless of, of if people support me on Patreon. But you can set up your Patreon where you have, you know, your $5 a month people, your $10 a month people, $20, whatever it is those different tiers, you can have them have different access to different things. So you can actually, for some of the higher level content that maybe someday you're going to sell, but you're in the process of developing it right now and you're not really sure what it's going to end up being, right? Like you could put that behind the, the $10 level. So then you're really invested $10 a month people who are 
some of your closest followers and people who are really into the work that you're doing, they get access to this thing that you're building or this thing that you're making that you're eventually going to put as a part of a package or something for sale on your website. They get access to that and can react to that and, and kind of give you feedback on that as a part of them supporting you at that level, right? It, it allows you to kind of expand your business in different kinds of ways if you can get um, support kind of through those different tiers. So you can actually control what it is that people see. So yes, there might be this stuff that you were going to do for free anyway. And if people kick you a, a couple bucks a month for that, that's great. But you can also build it so that the higher level tiers get access to very specific things that only, you know, that you only want people who are actually invested in your work to have access to. So it's a, mm-hmm. a different way of doing a paywall um, that it, that really sort of preferences audience engagement in an interesting way. Um, and so I think, I think that's a, a, w- a different way to think about Patreon um, for some of the stuff that you might create, Katie, is your, your podcast is going to be free regardless. Um, but maybe behind some of those higher level tiers is where you put some of the things like some of your resources f- um, for prolific before you, you know, release that to the masses and those sorts of things. So it, 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 also, it, it can almost serve as like a pilot program in a way um, mm-hmm. for some for some things that you're developing. It also can give you an opportunity to grow your core audience base by just doing, you know, live streams or Q&As or those sorts of things. Again, with those um, those paying patrons uh, that's just exclusive to them and that they're the only ones who have access to that. And so you build this kind of core community um, and then they go tell all their friends, right? <laughs> like that's the idea is that then you get them to, to kind of buy into your work that way. So um, yeah, it's it, it, Patreon's one of those things that you've got to be active in it in order for it to, to really kind of pay off. Um, and I know people who have success with it and some people who don't. So it just sort of depends on the fit with your audience as well and the type of client, I guess, that you're, you're looking to build. So um, yeah, I think there's, there's a different approach um, to audience engagement when you bring Patreon into the uh, equation, as opposed to if you're sort of uh, building an online business, you know, in, in sort of the, I, I'm struggling for the word, but maybe like the traditional entre- online entrepreneur kind of way. Right, right. Um, and so those approaches are very different. And, and I think that's, that's an interesting thing too. And I don't know if there's anything out there about which is more <laughs> advantageous or which, which works better. Um, it, I, I would say it probably depends. Well, and hearing you describe Patreon in that way is really interesting because what you've also described is how I run my business without Patreon. Right. <laughs> and that like, so when you have an, a coaching engagement with me, you're kind of in mm-hmm. like you've you've paid your way mm-hmm. into not just engaging with me for that coaching um, agreement or that that particular time frame that we're coaching together. But now you're on like my short list of people who have invested in me and my business so that I could invest in you and mm-hmm. whatever it is you wanted to be coached around. So for example, when I opened this prolific engagement, I emailed all the people who have previously coached with me about academic writing and publication or who've been in a writing group. And I said, you get this for free. Mm-hmm. You didn't ask for it. You mm-hmm. didn't know it was coming, but I know that it's going to meet a need for you. And you get advanced access and you get a lifetime membership for free because you have already paid me basically mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you've paid me for something and so I want to reward that and I think that that is something that of all the things like the passive income stuff that I've created around like the mini courses and stuff like that that has actually been one of the best ways of creating value added for my clients because when you work with me I will give you those things mm. for free mm-hmm. like if you're if you have a question about book proposals I'll give you my mini course on book proposals like mm-hmm. and and we'll kind of work through it and um you get that resource. So there's a kind of a spirit of generosity mm-hmm. for from me to people who are my clients mm-hmm. that I like I, I'm not going to ask you to pay for more stuff. Like if right. you want more coaching, great, pay for another package, but I'm not going to like try to upsell you to my courses and stuff like that when you're already my client. And it's basically what you've described with Patreon. It's it's kind of yeah. like these paywalls where but it's like once you're in, you're in. You're in. Yep. And that is not something that I describe on my coaching page. Mm-hmm. It's not a point of sale. It's not a yeah. marketing strategy. It's just me taking care of people mm-hmm. who come into my orbit in that more personalized way. And I think my hope is that that does become a marketing kind of word of mouth strategy that clients feel taken care of. Mm-hmm. And they feel like I'm not constantly trying to get them to buy more things. And they want to support me. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they tell other people, like, 
this has been a great experience mm-hmm. to work with Katie because she gives you X, Y, and Z. So um, that's interesting. I had not really thought about that kind of model, mm-hmm. that Patreon model of just doing it without Patreon. But I, it sounds like there is some overlap there between what I do and what you're describing. Yeah, yeah. So I think there is a lot of overlap. And I also think um, Patreon, at the time when it came out, it was kind of filling in a system's need, right? So right. Um, for people who are not going to be, you know, building their own website and then building their own store and, you know, getting all of the background systems set up for that uh, in in a really kind of specific way, like you and I tend to do, um, it, it provided a mechanism for people to, to directly get payment from their fans in a way that had a pretty low overhead, was not going to, you know, was not going to cost an arm and a leg. Um, and, you know, and it also provided some community building space too. And so there's, there, you know, there's forums and, you know, you get your own page and you can, you know, send out emails to your people. And so it, it has some of the basic like CRM platform, a payment platform, a social platform. So it, it has all of those things in it. And so especially when it first kind of came out, it provided people who wouldn't build their own website and wouldn't do that, that kind of level of work, a way to to access that quickly and easily. I think now, because there are so many other ways to do that, um, you know, Patreon is, you know, maybe, I don't know what, I don't think they're struggling, but I think it's a, it's a different value add proposition now right. than it was when it first um, kind of came onto the scene. So, right, um, right. yeah, it's interesting thinking about it now in, what are we in, 2018, um, as opposed to when it first came out several years ago. It's, it is a different landscape. And so it's interesting to see how it's changed and, and grown and um, mm-hmm. also the diff- other different options that are out there for people. Right. Well, and it, in some ways, it's. I think there are a lot of people who are on Patreon that don't consider themselves to be business owners. Mm-hmm. And so it creates a space for people, like yep. you said, to have that kind of payment structure and other things. And I'm curious, I don't know if you know, um, maybe we can look it up and link to it in the show notes, when Patreon came out in relation to when Kickstarter began. Uh, I believe it was after Kickstarter. Um, yeah, because Kickstarter was really this, it mm-hmm. was the same kind of thing. It was like, how do you, it was a unique business model. Yeah. How do you kind of crowdsource funding for yeah. a project idea you have where you have to kind of get people on board? And now, I mean, there's all kinds of guides right. to how do you, you know. How do you do get, run an effective, you know. Yeah, how do you run an effective be. Kickstarter mm-hmm. and all of that, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and same with Patreon. I mean, yeah. I think that there's definitely you know, celebrities who are doing this really well who are kind of talking about how to do it and that kind of thing. But it's, I think that's interesting to think about how you can take those models Mm -hmm. and do something similar Mm -hmm. that may not necessarily be using those platforms. Right. So like I think about, for example, with a course that I released this past summer, Sotal by Design, which we talked about in season three, part of how I released it was I had pre-orders from people. Like Mm -hmm. I I had people who I knew wanted to buy it and I was like, okay, well, I will, I will kind of front burner that Mm -hmm. because I know that I have people waiting in the wings and that in some ways is almost like a Kickstarter Mm -hmm. and that like the whole purpose of Kickstarter is do you have an audience that's willing to pay for this that can kind of fund an initial round of producing it or manufacturing it or whatever So I think there are ways to kind of build in some of these unique strategies Mm -hmm. into your business without necessarily going the full-on route of Mm -hmm. doing a Kickstarter, which is like a thing now. It's just like a a big thing now. Yeah. Well, I would also say there are ways to use Patreon that aren't maybe the the optimized way to use Patreon, right? That aren't the, you know, this is the top 10 ways to get your, you know, best bang for your buck on Patreon, but that... um, (sighs) It's weird because I think in some ways, especially in the online video world and, and sort of independent creator world, um, it's sort of a given that you have a Patreon. So it's almost uh, sort of a, a checking that box kind of situation. Like if you have mm. a Patreon, then you're, you know, I don't want to say more legitimate because that sounds <laughs> sleazy and gross, but it, it, it says that you're kind of... Um, keyed in and checked into the world a little more, right? That you yeah. understand well, that you're putting how yourself this works. out there, right? And and you're understanding how these different 
these different arenas work and that you you value your work in a different way right like you're not just making videos on the internet just for funsies right like you, yeah you're you taking want, it seriously you're taking it seriously you're wanting it to be a part of your business um you're yeah you're sort of stepping forward in that way and so it's in some ways um in some ways one of those like boxes you tick <laughs> in in an interesting way too so i don't know that i necessarily use it in all the ways that I could, I'm sure I could, um, you know, optimize my use of Patreon. But in some ways, it's um, it added it adds a certain uh, level of professionalism to um, my video production because now I have people who are paying me money to see good videos, right? And so for even for my own um, my own creative process, it sort of steps up the bar a little bit, um, which is in some ways a good motivator. Um, if I was just mm-hmm. creating stuff just for fun, I might not care as much, you know, about exactly the end product, but because people are investing money in it and investing time in it, um, it sort of raises the bar a little bit for me there as well. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think with some of these things, and I want to be careful here how I talk about this, because I really respect what you've done with Patreon, and I respect what a lot of people do with Patreon. Mm -hmm. But I also see people on Patreon who they try it, it doesn't work, and they're like, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. Right. You know, like, and it's like, so some of that is experimentation. But I also, I see the same thing with, like, Medium as a blogging space. People are like, well, I'm quitting Medium, I'm not getting enough numbers or whatever. Like, And people make, like, a big thing of, like, how they tried it and whatever. Um, And I feel like there's something about kind of these like quick tricks for your business where people, you know, and I think that one of the things that hopefully sets you and I apart when we talk about these things is like, we're making investments. Mm -hmm. Like when I started Prolific, it's a long-term investment. Mm -hmm. People are buying annual memberships to this. I'm not trying it out and then I'm going to walk away. (laughs) Like like I've invested in it as a a strategy in the same way that I invested in my coaching training. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not, you know, doing this stuff on a whim. In the same way that you're putting out this Patreon community and you're nurturing it, you've already taken it through at least one iteration Mm -hmm. as you've moved into this Honestly series that you're working on. And it's evolving with you Mm -hmm. as your business evolves. Mm -hmm. And even if you're not right now getting exactly the revenue out of it that you would want, or maybe you want to see it increase in the future, you're not giving up on it, Mm -hmm. you know, as a strategy. And and you have kind of a a reason, a rationale for why you've chosen to engage in it. And I feel like there's, so that's one piece Mm -hmm. I want to put on the table. The other piece I want to put on the table that, again, I want to be kind of careful how I talk about this is I feel like some people do think about Patreon in the way that I described it earlier as it's about my own value. Mm. And if people aren't valuing me in this way, Mm -hmm. they start to get kind of an air of desperation. And you see this with a lot of online businesses, I think, where the way that people like extend their sales packages Mm -hmm. or like, you know, and you're just like, oh, you're not getting sales. Like, that's what that means. (laughs) Like, you know, it's like, (laughs) yeah. And it happens. And like, people do these things and and there's reasons for them. But I honestly feel like, and this kind of goes back to my radical self-trust stuff, part of the putting yourself out there of online business is you have to have a level of confidence in yourself and what you're offering so that other people have that confidence in you mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And I think Patreon is a really good way to do that if you do it right. Mm-hmm. And if you're not constantly, like I see people kind of constantly telling people about their Patreons right. and like um, in a way that is kind of has that air of desperation. Yeah, right. So I mean, I guess all this to say, like I think that there are really intentional reasons mm-hmm. why you pick these unique business models or strategies that you bring into your business and that they're commitments Mm -hmm. and you have to kind of think about them as not just one more tactic Mm -hmm. to try to i don't know get yourself to the next level or i don't know i'm kind of rambling at this point but do you kind of see what i'm saying Sarah? like weigh in on this what are your thoughts yeah i think i think you're raising an interesting point about the um playing the long game idea right like you and i both tend to be pretty invested in this long term like we're not starting our businesses thinking like oh if it if it doesn't work in the next year in the way i think it will i'm gonna quit and run away although i have had that thought i'll be honest that happens sometimes um but at the same time like yeah there are people out there i think who are like oh patreon that'll fix all my problems (laughs) right like or another another model um and try things with a speed that doesn't let it work the way it could, right? Or doesn't give mm-hmm. it the, the time and space and, um, you know, necessary attention it needs. Like, I know the reason my Patreon is small is because I haven't had the ability to cultivate it in the ways I'd like to. 
So, you know, I would expect when I do do more of that, I will see it grow. Now, if it shrinks, right? If I start putting in all of the the kind of time and energy I know I need to in order to make it grow and it shrinks, like that tells me a really important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think listening to how your Patreon or other funding source more large, you know, more broadly, how that's working or how that's not working and making a decision about whether or not to keep it based on that is is good and valuable and people should do that. But I think you're right. I think there's a there's a speed of um, expectation that uh, if I don't meet it in six months, right, or if I don't meet it in a month or two months or three months, that well, this must not be working. I should I should jump ship, right? As opposed to thinking, okay, how do I change this or how do I adjust this and see if I can make it work in this system a little differently? You know, what do I need to do differently um, to make this work for me? Um, because I think that's the point of all of these systems is you need them to work for you, right? Like you want it to fit into your ethos and into the way that you're doing your business and into your systems in a way that works for you. Like if you're not, if if you're trying to shoehorn your work and your creative product or whatever it is into this system because it's quote unquote the only way to make money, like that's, you know, that's doing a disservice to you and to the work that you're trying to do. You, you have to right. try to, make the work that you want to make and find the systems that help you make it um, as opposed to kind of trying to force yourself into something that's not working. So I think there is a balance mm-hmm. there, right? Like I, I want to say like you should listen to uh, to your Patreon numbers and to your medium numbers and that sort of thing, but also recognize that you're going to have periods where it's not good, right? <laughs> you're going to have periods where people aren't paying or people aren't paying attention to it or aren't joining your your page or whatever. That's that's kind of part of the natural ebb and flow of business. And so don't lose heart because you have a, a few bad months. Um, think about, okay, how do I adjust this and tweak this? Because it takes, I would argue, less energy to adjust the things that you're doing within a current system than chucking it out the window and building a whole new one at, that you're just going to chuck two months later, right? Like you have to have that kind of long-term investment right. idea in mind when you go into these kinds of things. Right. Well, I think to kind of emphasize a point that you were making too, like it's about making it work for you, but I also think it's about doing it in a way that your audience understands. Yeah. Yeah. So like building off of things you've already done, or this is like the next logical step mm-hmm. of what I would do. And here's why. Mm-hmm. And here's why it might be useful for you as someone who wants XYZ mm-hmm. in terms of services that I offer. Because I think that the thing that I think I, I'm kind of reacting against is it, when people do exactly what you're saying, they mm-hmm. try something, it doesn't work the way they thought, they get desperate, they start doing all these things around it that show their desperation, mm-hmm. which kind of, I think, pushes people away even more. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, well, this didn't work, you right. know, forget it. And they kind of move on to something else, yeah. which doesn't help with consistency. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't help <laughs> right. people to trust you if you're like constantly trying things and trying new things and then giving up and moving on. Mm-hmm. Like, I do think that you have to, and especially I think back to like our very first season, Sarah, we talked about revenue goals and I was like, I have no idea. Like, I just have no, (laughs) I have no idea. Like, I don't, I don't know what things should cost. I don't know. Like, I I mean, I just had no sense of like, if I launched a thing, how much it would bring in. Like, I, nothing. And now I feel like I have some sense of like, okay, if it's around this scale and I, this is my audience and Mm -hmm. I think they might like this or whatever. Like, I feel like I have something to work from, (laughs) but just this idea of like, of course, in the beginning, I would launch something and be like, okay, let's see how this let's goes. See how it goes. Yep. Yeah, and, and try to get a sense of like, how big of the revenue pie is this going to be? Mm-hmm. And given that, how much energy or time is going to need to go into it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Like, I think people just kind of move on too quickly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's definitely, you know, needing to sunset something or you know right. if you find that you're not enjoying it anymore or your audience really doesn't need it anymore for whatever reason or you don't feel like updating it I mean there are good reasons for that too mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I don't know I guess I just see way more of the crazy experimentation right. and then the dramatic right like, dramatic rejection <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, yeah when people are like oh this didn't work and I'm like well how much did you really put into it you know like yeah I don't know well I think what we're dancing around here is this idea of needing to do constant reflection of the decisions that you're making in your business and 
some of what we see are instead are these decisions that are made instead of reflectively as sort of a knee-jerk reaction to something not working, right? Like you can look at why your Patreon page, we'll use that example, isn't working and say, well, Patreon's broken. It's not like, it's not about me, right? Like I did everything I was supposed to do and you know, it didn't work. So I'm out, right? Or you can look at it and say, okay, my audience doesn't really engage in Patreon because they don't really know what Patreon is. So I'm going to have to do some educating about that. Or you could say, you know, I haven't been pushing it enough or I've been pushing it too much. Or, you know, you can reflect on how you are using this platform. Um, And yes, there are things about Patreon that make me crazy, right? (laughs) There are things that make me nuts about how things are laid out and organized and all of that. But Um, you know, there are different things I can try and tweak a little bit, again, reflecting on what's working and what's not, um, with an eye toward growing this incrementally as I go, if I had the knee jerk reaction, you know, I'd be out by now, but I'm, I'm sitting with it and I'm going, okay, I have done some things that have contributed to the fact that my Patreon is not growing. I gotta, I gotta swallow that. Like, that's not a comfortable thing. I don't love that. But it is something that I have to accept about, you know, just the way that things are with with my business right now and think, okay, how do I redouble my efforts? How do I come back tomorrow and do it a little differently? So it's it is that whole really hard but important process of reflection that you and I, Katie, I think talk about constantly on the show. But um, we use those reflections about what's working and what's not to help guide the next decisions that we're making. And and I think we're both pretty honest about that. And it could be that people who are who are kind of you know, storming off of these platforms have done that reflection too. I want to acknowledge that, you know, just because you're not doing it publicly doesn't mean it's not happening. But, um, but I think that there is this sort of, you know, do we blame the system or do we actually take ownership for some of the things that we did that contributed to, you know, to where this landed and how. So one other thing I definitely want to make sure we talk about when it comes to things like Patreon or the community that I built in Prolific um, and I also want to just mention, because I don't know that we mentioned on the show previously, that it is built using a platform called Mighty Networks, which we can link to in the show notes in case people are like, how are you even doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we'll talk about it in more detail in a later episode. But um, I think there's also this sense or tendency of like the more, the better, mm-hmm. like just keep adding and adding and adding mm-hmm. and and like more value will increase the number of people. And I feel like this is definitely something that I, I would say I kind of unintentionally fell into this just because I was doing so much rapid experimentation at the beginning of my business Mm -hmm. that I was just adding a lot of stuff just Mm -hmm. because I was curious about how it would go. It wasn't necessarily thinking I needed more value, but Mm -hmm. it just kind of happened because I was experimenting. But I think about another community that I'm a part of that's in Mighty Networks as well. And I think they have packed in too much. Mm. Like there's so much going on. They have like hundreds and hundreds of members Mm -hmm. and so they they're doing kind of these um open houses to kind of orient people to the space Mm. like that's how much is going on like people come in and they're just like completely overwhelmed what do i even do here yeah right and and they do these virtual events they do face-to-face events there's meetups there's i mean it's like there's just this incredible amount of stuff Mm -hmm. that has become part of this platform and it has community managers and there's like i mean there's so many layers Mm -hmm. to what they're doing and it seems to be working because there's a lot of people in there, you know, fine, whatever. Um, but I'm at the point as a user where I'm like, I'm not even sure how to navigate this space in a way that it brings me value. Mm. And so I was thinking about this when I created Prolific. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, do I want to do more events? Do I want to have more stuff? Because I don't know when people are going to be logging in here, when they're available. And I thought, you know what? I'm putting a cap on this. Mm-hmm. We do two events per month. You know, one of them is going to be more of a content event. One of them is going to be more of a planning event. You know, I'll I'll kind of structure it in particular ways, and we'll change that structure based on what people need. But there's a regular post that goes out on Mondays asking about your writing goals. Either me or other members post things throughout the week that people can react to or engage with. I have not set up groups yet. Mm -hmm. I have not. (laughs) Like, there's a lot of stuff I am not using in that platform because, one, we don't have the scale yet where, Mm -hmm. where that's going to be useful. But also, it's like, this is enough. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't need to go beyond this. This is enough. And I think that that's one of the things that has also been a little bit challenging for me when I think about Patreon is you have all these layers and levels and you have to decide how you're valuing these different levels. And you're then in this structure where you're working with all these different levels Mm -hmm. and making sure that they all get what they have been told they're going to get. But I don't know. I just want to put out there kind of a, you can define your own enough. Mm -hmm. 
And I've seen a couple other people recently trying to experiment with kind of similar communities and I don't think they're getting the return they had originally wanted. Mm -hmm. And so they're just adding more. Mm. And to me, I smell the desperation. Mm -hmm. Like, I I mean, that's kind of my immediate like, okay, I see what you're doing. And it's, I just want to be like, it's okay. Yeah. Like you're, you have a lot of value. Right. It's okay. Like just because you're not getting the numbers that you want. And, and so I, I don't know, I've just been thinking about that a lot when it comes to prolific and that, there is value there, mm-hmm. even if I'm not continually adding crazy amounts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I built it with a foundation of value, mm-hmm. with a, a library of content that people get access to, for example, mm-hmm. um, with the event structure and things like that. So I'm curious if you experience any of that in Patreon or your other business models mm-hmm. where you're feeling that pressure to kind of add more or level up or, you know, how do you define what is enough value right. for a particular package or service? Yeah, that's a that's a great question that I don't have an answer to. But <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, I think some of it for me is also a little bit um, altered, partly because of the the needing to step back a little bit this year because of some personal things. So I've had to adjust my own expectations and be kind to myself about that, which is not always easy. Um, but I, you know, I think where I've landed is that a lot of the people who are supporting my work on Patreon are, you know, just happy to, to support what I'm making, right? Like, it's not about, oh my gosh, she didn't post, uh, you know, a video this week, I am gonna hate her forever, right? Like, that's right. not the, the type of community that I've got there. And so I, I do think that, and we talk about this a lot in the YouTube world too, that I think sometimes there's this weird inner monologue that happens, right? So say you miss posting, you say you're going to post once a, once a week, right? I have never posted once a week and never will just for the record. Um, but say, you, you know, say you make a promise, quote unquote, to your audience to post once a week, and then you miss a week for whatever reason. And then there's this like overwhelming sense of guilt of like, oh my gosh, I've let these people down. And then that kind of becomes crushing. And then you go several weeks without posting because you want the next thing to be so good to make up for the fact that you missed the, the week before, right? So it kind of compounds upon itself. And you have this little like monster in your head that's basically saying, you know, well, you know, everybody's so mad at you for not posting. When the reality is there's so much content coming at people all the time that like, there are very few people who are tracking with that kind of regularity. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. They who has post. the time? Right. Who has yeah. the time? And especially for, for those of us with smaller audiences that don't have the big like million people followings and that sort of thing. So if we miss, you know, if I miss something, it's not, people are not asking me, where's your video? I want my, you know, I want my weekly video, right? They're, they're, on the other side, more happy to see me when I come back, right? They're like, oh, yay, you're still making stuff. That's great. Like, oh, I'm happy to see you creating something new. That's cool. Um, and, you know, I know if I'm able to build build that in with more regularity, that that will continue to grow. Um, and and the community will continue to grow and the, the value that I'm adding will continue to grow. So, but I don't, I don't ever want it to become a situation where I feel like I'm, you know, I have to do this many things or or the stuff that I'm doing isn't good enough, right? And mm-hmm. and that's a hard balance because it, you do kind of get into this weird mental cycle sometimes about like, if I let people down, they're going to hate me forever. Like, no, they're just mostly just going to be really excited to see you again. So, um, and even if it's not the best video they've ever seen, like they're going to be happy that you're making stuff because the reason they're following you is because they like that you make stuff and they like what the stuff that you're creating and the stuff you're putting into the world. So I guess you know, one of the things I have to think about, and I would encourage other creators to think about too, is just being kind to yourself when when things do come up. Um, and understand that your audience is not going to all jump ship just because you miss a thing or just because you're not adding as much as you used to, right? We, we understand people have lives, there are things that happen, um, and they're mostly just going to be excited to see you again. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I don't know if that answers the question even remotely at all, but that's that's what got me thinking anyway. <laughs> I feel like it's the message is it's about you and it's also not about it's you also not about you at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <sighs> okay, anything else, Sarah, that you want to add in about this idea of unique business models and how to kind of be thinking about adding in diversifying revenue streams to your business? Yeah, I mean, I think for me the the message is always um, it's kind of the same of of you know you want to do things strategically, you want to be thoughtful, but at the same time don't let 
your your needing to plan out every every little thing and every little outcome prevent you from jumping in right it, there there is a balance there somewhere um sometimes i jump in too soon and then i got to figure it out as i go that's just part of how i do things i know other people are you know more likely to plan things out a little bit more and then jump in but i've also seen people who plan things out to the point where they never jump so jump right. in <laughs> um the water is mostly nice <laughs> there aren't too many sharks here i promise <laughs> Um, and, and just, you know, kind of keep, keep working on thinking about how do I, how do I change things up? How do I, um, build this a little differently, be reflective and, and be willing to take risks. I don't know. That's kind of where I am. What about you? I think a lot of what we talked about today, unintentionally, but it makes total sense. It was about audience Mm -hmm. and how you do these unique business models because you are trying to provide a certain kind of thing to your audience, or you have a certain kind of audience that wants a certain kind of engagement with you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, one of the things that I've seen that I think is another unique business model is when people use their mailing list as their business model. Mm -hmm. Like they have an email list that's quite large and they just sell to that list Mm -hmm. and that's all they do. Like, and, and they don't really have other marketing strategies or, you know, they may put out a lot of free content, but the idea is that they're building their list so that they can use that as a, a mechanism. So, I mean, that's the other pieces. I think it really is about audience Mm -hmm. and who your audience is and what they need and and being really attentive to that and sometimes that can necessitate different kinds of business models it's true so that's another layer i think to this yeah yeah well this was an interesting conversation and it took us in places that i think we weren't necessarily intending to go but it works (laughs) that's how it usually works i guess with us we kind of just take it and go But yeah, well, and I hope, you know, as as our listeners are hearing this, you know, maybe it sparks some ideas for you. We will definitely link to some of the things we talked about in the show notes. We would, of course, always love to hear from you about your kind of unique business models and things that you're using that you think are useful or questions that you have for us. Um, The best way now to contact us via the podcast is probably just via contact at katielitter.work, which is the main contact mechanism on my website, where you can also find um, all the show notes and things for Make Your Way at uh, katielitter.work slash podcast. And uh, we would love to connect with you there. So thanks so much for listening to this episode. And we'll be back next week with another one. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Make Your Way. Show notes and a transcript for this episode can be found at katielinder.work slash podcasts. Make Your Way is part of the Radical Self-Trust podcast channel, a collection of content dedicated to helping you seek self-knowledge, nurture your superpowers, playfully experiment, live your core values with intention, practice loving kindness toward yourself and others, and settle into your life's purpose. Learn more about the RST channel at katielinder.work slash podcasts. If you found this episode helpful, please also consider rating and or reviewing the show in iTunes. Thanks for listening.